on Sunday, we looked at uh, verses 22 to 26. Uh, and I thought that today perhaps we could do the three verses preceding that, 19 to 21, uh, to give us a little background into what we uh, looked at on Sunday. So I will ask uh, Brother Dean if you would kindly read Acts chapter 11, 19 to 21, please. Acts chapter 11, testing, test, test, testing, test, test. Try it one more time. Test, test, no. Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 21. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed, and turned unto the Lord. The early chapters um, of the book of Acts record the commencement and the progress of the church. And um, it's very interesting to see how the uh, church commenced and how it progressed forward. Initially, um, the center of operations was in Jerusalem. And then Peter was the central figure. And then gradually, the center of operations moved from Jerusalem over to Antioch, and then Paul became the central figure. And uh, I thought that uh, these few verses here, there's several truths that uh, we can look up that could uh, be of use to us today. Now, they which were scattered abroad, uh, the way it began is most interesting. Satan overstepped himself once again. What did he do? He went and had Stephen killed. Um, his evil intentions proved to be very counterproductive. And because there was this assault of, on Stephen, immediately it also uh, commenced an operation where the early church Christians were persecuted. Because they were persecuted by the commencement of Stephen being killed and uh, all the uh, people at that time, the Romans and the other Jews were persecuting them, they began to flee in different directions to different parts of the world. And so um, a steady stream of refugees uh, resulted in the persecution of uh, the early church. 
Now, I'm sure you've seen on the television um, various problems in Africa and places like that. And when a problem comes and there is a big um, incident, a stream of refugees will flow out of the problem area. And so uh, they went to all different places, including the city of Antioch. So my brother, my sister, do you see unpleasant circumstances uh, in your life like that? Um, is there an opportunity to promote the interest of the Lord Jesus Christ when such things happen in our lives? You see, uh, when these refugees went to different parts of the world, they took with them the message of salvation. No one would welcome being in a hospital, or no one would welcome being forced to move to a new area. Or perhaps we have just had to move to a new job. But God can use these unasked for circumstances to work out his own purpose as people are contacted who might otherwise never have been contacted. Isn't that true? God can use these circumstances. Stephen was killed, but as a result, the Christians fleeing the area, many souls were saved. The thought always comes to my mind, why does a good man like Stephen need to die? Why does a good man like Stephen have to die? And we don't know the answers to these things. But perhaps one possible answer is this, that as a result of his death and the scattering of the Christians to all parts, the gospel went with them to new areas that otherwise would never have been reached. So when God moves circumstances in your life, where you have been put in a place that you aren't familiar with, new people around you, see it as an opportunity to give the gospel. See it as an opportunity where you can uh, work in Christ's interests. You see, God used the circumstances of this migration, uh, and at a human level, they were fleeing to escape abuse, they were fleeing to escape imprisonment. But you see the word there in verse 19, scattered abroad. Scattered abroad. Now they were scattered abroad. What this denotes is a sowing. Scattered abroad denotes sowing. Sowing in all different directions. God was deliberately sowing them in places of his choice to effect his sovereign plan. Let us also see our circumstances like that. We are where we are by divine decree and for his purpose. And it is up to each of us to realize the full potential of that for the Lord Jesus Christ. He has only placed us where we should be. It may be that you are in a difficult circumstances, but think of it that God has placed you there. Then I want to progress next 
uh, in verse 19, I want you to notice the method that was used uh, for winning uh, others to Christ, the method that was used to communicate the gospel. There was no elaborate plans. There was no long meetings to discuss the kind of literature that was going to be used. There was no uh, debate about how much this evangelistic endeavor was going to cost. They just got on with the business of speaking the gospel, spreading the word to all those they met. Now, speaking the word uh, in a personal and informal way is open to all of us. Every one of us has that opportunity in us. Uh, but sometimes we see that the art of personal evangelism has been lost today. It seems like only a tiny minority of believers make any attempt to witness to their neighbors or friends uh, or relatives or colleagues. Why is that? We should reverse that. More of us should go and make sure that they are our friends, colleagues, relatives are reached with the gospel. You see, in this verse here, in, or in Acts chapter 11, when these believers got scattered to Antioch, there was no recognized preachers among them to help them with preaching and spreading the gospel. There was no recognized leaders among these people to give them some assistance in the gospel. They all had to do it themselves. You may ask me, how do uh, I know that? Well, if you look at Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, this is straight after Stephen was uh, killed. And Saul, Acts 8, 1, and Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Notice this very carefully. The last three words, except the apostles. Except the apostles. The apostles were not scattered abroad. It was just ordinary men and women who were scattered abroad. So when they got scattered abroad, they had no leaders to show them how to evangelize, how to spread the gospel. They had to do it themselves. Ordinary men and women. And later on, as we saw on Sunday, a great many were saved and added, uh, is what we saw. So they were effective in their personal evangelism. Let us also make sure that uh, we use our God-given gifts to the full potential that they should be used for. Now, not everybody is called to preach publicly, for example, but certainly each of us has the responsibility to witness personally. And let us make sure that we do that. Then, uh, we'll go back to Acts chapter 11 and verse 19. So they were scattered abroad. And um, we saw that they went uh, 
speaking, preaching uh, to various uh, neighbors, colleagues, friends. Uh, and then it says next, preaching the word. The word. You see, our verse uh, tells us that they were speaking the word. When in public, preaching or personal witnessing, everything should be scripture-based. Everything should be centered on the word of God. Illustrations, jokes, these things can be helpful sometimes. But their use should be sparing in comparison to quoting the Bible and stating its truths. In 1 Thessalonians 1.8, it says, From you sounded out the word of God. The word, that is what our duty is when we go around speaking to others about the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the word that enlightens the darkened mind. It is the word that engenders the faith. It is the word that effects regeneration in people's lives. No wonder Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word. Preach the word. Now, you may have noticed that um, when I preach, um, I rarely use illustrations or examples from outside the Bible. And the reason I do this is because the Bible gives us a good authority uh, that uh, we can follow. There are two great gospel messages in the New Testament. The first one, I'd like to show you this, is found in Acts chapter 2. And this is when uh, Peter gave that great gospel message when a great number of souls were saved. And in Acts chapter 2, you will see that Peter begins his gospel message in verse 14. It says, Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and then he started preaching. And uh, when you come down to verse number 25, he says in his message here, while he's speaking, for David speaking concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Acts chapter 2, verse 25. What was Peter doing while he was preaching his gospel message? He was quoting from the Psalms. That is a direct quotation from Psalm 16. Peter was using an example from the scriptures. He was using the illustrations from the Bible when he was giving his gospel message. Then let me give you another example in Acts chapter 13. This is the second great gospel message in the New Testament, and this was given by the Apostle Paul. And in Acts 13, Paul starts his gospel message in verse 16, and it goes on. In verse 16 it says, Then Paul stood up, beckoning with his hand men of Israel, and he starts his message. But notice this, verse 33, Acts 13 and verse 33. Paul says in his message, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, 
as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Here, Paul is giving a reference when he's preaching. Do you see that? He says, the second psalm. So you see, the gospel preachers in the New Testament day and age, they used the Bible when they were speaking. They used the word. They quoted scripture for their illustrations. They even gave the reference. So uh, it is important, I feel, uh, that we look for illustrations from the Bible when we are giving a message, when we are giving the gospel. My father once taught me that uh, he said to me, you should spend more time reading the Bible than books about the Bible. You should spend more time reading the Bible than books about the Bible. And if you do this, then there will be no problem in finding illustrations from the Bible because there's millions of them. There's millions of illustrations in the Bible. So, going back to Acts chapter 11 and verse 19. So they were scattered abroad and they went in different directions because of the persecution that came about as a result of Stephen. They began preaching the word and then it tells us to none but unto the Jews only. To none but unto the Jews only. Why is that? I thought the gospel was for everyone. Why were they speaking to only the Jews? Now, in the world today, there is a great, great deception that is taking place. Millions of people are being led astray. And that is because of the wrong doctrine that is being taught by the Pentecostals and the charismatic movement. They have taken these words uh, and they have created a great false doctrine that many people are following. Now, I want to spend a few minutes uh, explaining this to you, why they were preaching the gospel to the Jews only. And to begin, uh, we will go back to Mark chapter 16. Uh, Dean, if you don't mind, please reading Mark 16, uh, 15 to 17, please. This is the last words of the Lord Jesus as given in Mark's gospel before he ascended up to heaven. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. Thank you. Now you notice in verse 17, uh, the word signs will follow. And then it says at the end of the verse, they shall speak with new tongues. And then please uh, move in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2 and verses 1 to 4. Dean, please, if you don't mind. Acts chapter 2, and we'll read verses 1 to 4. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 1. There we go. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and all were filled, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, Pentecostals will teach that you need to be filled with the Spirit and then you can have these wonderful gifts like speaking in tongues, they say. But I will show you that this was only a sign for the Jews only. It was for the start of the early church. Now, if you carefully go through the early chapters of the book of Acts, you will see that the gospel was only preached to the Jews. The gospel was only preached to the Jews. Uh, right there in chapter 2, where we find these uh, first four verses, and if we go down to Acts chapter 2 and verse 22, uh, when Peter is preaching this message, uh, he says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. He's speaking to the Israelites. That is his audience. And then if you go to uh, Acts chapter 3 and verse 12, Acts chapter 3 and verse 12, uh, and it, when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? So again, he is only speaking to an audience of Israelites, of Jews only. There is nobody else there. Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? And then uh, we move on. I'm only picking selected verses here to show you. Uh, Acts chapter 5 next, please. And verse 35. Acts chapter 5, verse 35. And he said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourself. So here you can see the pattern. I'm only showing you a few verses, but he's only talking to the Jews. And then uh, we'll move on to Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. And there the word of God increased, and then it tells us a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. Who were the priests? The priests were all Jews. The priests were all Jews. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ came unto his own, but his own received him not. So when he went back up to heaven, he bestowed these gifts upon the apostles to use these signs to convince the people who rejected him, the Jews. Then turn with me, please, to Acts chapter 9 and verse 20. Now they have moved on. They have, we've come up to chapter 9, and they have gone to several places. And in Acts chapter 9, they have come to Damascus. 
uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 20, but I will read a few lines from verse 19. Then, when, then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. Verse 20, Acts 9, 20. And straight away he preached Christ in the synagogues. Why does Paul need to go and preach in a synagogue? After all, a synagogue is a place of worship. Because synagogues are the place where the Jews meet. Synagogues are the place where the Jews gather. So he went there to preach. He didn't go outside in Damascus. He went to the synagogues where the Jews were. And then we come to Acts chapter 11, verse 19, the verse that we were at. And there, preaching the word, the ones who were scattered, preaching the word to none but the Jews only. To none but the Jews only. So you see, my brother, my sister, when that day of Pentecost happened in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, and the speaking in tongues and all these gifts came, it was for the Jews. It was for the Jews. But today, if you go out into the world, if you go into a Pentecostal church, you will hear all kinds of babbling going on. They claim that they have the gift today. But that gift was only for the Jews so that they may believe. It was a sign given for them. When did this change? When did this change? It was the Jews only, but eventually, obviously, we are here converted and saved, and we are not Jews. So at some point, it would have changed. The gospel would have then moved from the Jews to the Gentiles. Well, let me show you, and we can see that in Acts chapter 13. Now, a long time has gone past. On Sunday, we saw in Acts chapter 11 that Barnabas was gathering with the church for one whole year learning, teaching. So a long period has gone past from Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter 13 and verse 46. <clears throat> and there, Paul and Barnabas say that it was necessary that the word of God should have been first spoken to you. He's, they're talking to the uh, Jews, because in verse 45, it tells us that when the Jews gathered there. So the word of God should have been spoken to you, the Jews, but seeing he put it from you, we turn to the Gentiles. There is where the change occurred. For the first time, the gospel was preached not only to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. And Acts chapter 13, verse 48, and the Gentiles heard this and were glad. When they heard the gospel, they were glad and they accepted it. So you see, uh, earlier we saw in Mark chapter 16 and verse 17, I will just uh, look at that verse one more time. Mark 16, verse 17, the verse that Dean read to us earlier. When the Lord Jesus went up, the last words that he said in the book of Mark, and these signs shall follow. And one of the signs, they shall speak with new tongues. Who are the signs for? 1 Corinthians 1, verse 22. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 22. For the Jews require a sign. It was for the Jews. 
So how is it that millions of people in the world today have been led down the garden path? They are following a wrong teaching, a wrong doctrine. Millions, and you know that if you hold a healing meeting here, these seats are not enough. Thousands will come in. And they are all following a wrong doctrine. Let me show you uh, one other point before we move on. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 43, it tells us who was able to do this miracles and signs. Acts chapter 2 verse 43. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Done by the apostles. If you go back to that portion that we read in Mark earlier, you will see that the previous verse to which Dean started with, verse 15, if you go back to verse 14, you will see that he was speaking only to the 11 apostles. So he was speaking to the 11 apostles, saying that you will get these powers. And then we see in the book of Acts, these signs were performed by the apostles. Acts chapter 5 and verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. So if somebody comes to you and says that, I have a special gift, I can cure you of your cancer, you have to ask him, is he an apostle? <laughs> there was one time, I was at a convention, a conference, and this gentleman uh, came to me, and he gave me his card. And I looked at his card, and it said, Abraham Thomas, and underneath it said, Apostle. So I said to him, Apostle? He said, yeah. I said, how did you become an apostle? Who appointed you? So he said, I was appointed in India. So I said, in India? I said, did you know that apostles were people who had directly met and seen the Lord Jesus Christ. Apostles were people who had directly met or seen the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible doesn't give us anywhere in the scripture one apostle passing away and then another apostle appointed. No. It gives us the, uh, for the elders of the church, how the elders are meant to be appointed, how they are meant to be selected. But when the initial apostles passed away, there was no more apostles. It tells us in Ephesians that apostles were for the foundation of the church. So there are no apostles, such men today, that can do these kind of miracles. God can heal. God can do miracles. But there is no man with any superpowers. So, I must apologize. Uh, a half an hour has gone by and I'm still in the one verse. So, uh, <laughs> I, I had meant to do three verses in uh, half an hour, but I'm sorry that I have uh, taken so much time, but I will uh, do maybe one or two more points and then we will close. Uh, okay, we'll go back to Acts 11, verse 19. So, they were scattered abroad, there was a sowing, all the believers went to various parts 
remember that you take it that God has placed you where you are. God's purpose that you are there. And you use that as an opportunity to spread the gospel just like these early church believers did. Remember that they went preaching the word. They used the Bible. They used the word of God to convict sinners to repent from their sins. And then they spoke none but unto the Jews only. Why was that? Because the Lord Jesus first wanted his chosen ones to be saved, the Jews, and they were the ones who were first receiving the gospel. Then, in the next verse, I'll skip to the end there, uh, verse 20, and uh, it says they were preaching the Lord Jesus. Acts 11, verse 20, preaching the Lord Jesus. Jesus. Now, this is very significant. Uh, scripture records that a great number believed and turned to the Lord Jesus. Often when we address him, we are not respectful enough. Here, the believers were calling him the Lord Jesus. If you carefully study scripture, you will notice how the various people address him, and that gives us a clue as to how we should address our Lord and Savior. Now, Peter, he called him uh, on several occasions, and I picked out one example in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 11. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 11, and this is how Peter referred to him. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, you will know that uh, the disciples called him various things. But always, it was with full respect. For example, um, John, uh, just after John the Baptist had called him, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Then he goes up and before he meets Peter and Andrew, John and some disciples come up to him and they call him Rabbi, which is to say Master. That is also a very holy and great title. And then Nathaniel, uh, when the Lord spoke to him and told him that he was seated under the tree, Nathaniel said, uh, Rabbi, thou art the son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. And then, do you remember that malefactor who was uh, nailed to the cross next to the Lord Jesus? And you remember that he said, Lord, remember me when thou comes to thy kingdom. And the Lord Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Even the malefactor called him Lord. But if you want to find a conclusive evidence how we should call him, I think one of the best ways to know how we should address the Lord is to look at how the angels called him. Because after all, the angels are there in the realms of glory. They are much closer to him than we are. Isn't that right? So they would know the ins and outs, the etiquette, 
all that they would know. What did the angels say? In Matthew 28, verse 6, when Mary Magdalene was coming to the tomb, the angel said, come see the place where the Lord lay. Come see the place where the Lord lay. What did the Lord Jesus, the final conclusive evidence, what did the Lord Jesus say we should call him? You will see that in John 13, verse 13. You can turn to this in your Bibles and uh, remember this. This is what the Lord Jesus said. John 13, 13. Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say well, for so I am. Ye call me Master and Lord. So when we address our Lord and Savior, let us make sure that we address him with all the respect and honor that he so deserves. Many times, uh, sometimes, when I'm flipping through the TV channels, I see these um, preachers on some of these Christian TV channels, and I see that very often they are only using the word Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But if they had carefully studied the Bible, they would have seen that all these people, they use the full title when they address him. Like the angel said, Lord. The Lord Jesus said, you call me Lord and Master and you say it well. Let us also be aware when we address him, let us make sure that we give him the full honor and glory because he so deserves it. And uh, uh, final reference for this evening, Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. Romans 15 and verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. So you see, we have been following what these early church believers, how they went about in their personal evangelism how they went about preaching the gospel. Let us make sure we follow their example. We are all believers here. Go ye in unto all the world. That is what he told us, isn't it? We have to go and reach as many people as possible for him. Don't think that you need your leaders to help you in your evangelism. I showed you that these early church refugees, when they fled, they did not have their leaders with them. But that did not stop them from going and evangelizing and many souls were won for Christ. You could be in a difficult place, a tough job uh, somewhere and you're meeting uh, numerous people. That is an opportunity that the Lord has given you to use for him. Think of it that way. Think that God has placed you where he wants you. Stephen passing away seemed really tragic. But think about the number of people that were saved as a result of that good man being taken away. And then remember also that uh, the lessons that we saw on
the word. Make sure that when you are speaking, when you are witnessing, that the word of God is central. The message of the gospel, how he came down to this world, how he suffered and died for us, that will convict people of their sins. Let us make sure that we focus on the word of God. And then we remembered also about the lesson of the Jews only. There is no more speaking in tongues or uh, these sign gifts. When people tell you that I'm able to uh, do that, immediately take a step back. You know that all is not right. <laughs> because if you have read through and studied carefully the scriptures, it's as clear Plain as day. I showed it to you. And then finally, how we address our Savior. Mary Magdalene went even one step further. The disciples were saying, Rabbi. Now, Rab is a very uh, powerful word in itself. Uh, it means a great one. Rabbi, master. She went even further. She said, Rabboni. That is an even greater master and teacher. She chose a word of great honor. Let us also make sure that every time we address the Lord, no flippancy, remembering that we are in talking to the Holy One, and let us give him the full honor and glory he so deserves. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, we thank Thee that the things from Scripture are given to us for our learning. We thank Thee, our Father, that um, we are able to use the examples that are given to us and that we are able to follow the pattern that Thou hast laid for us. We pray that Thou would give us every enabling to follow it. And we pray, our Father, that each of us will be a responsible believer that we would take the responsibility that thou has given us for our personal evangelism seriously, that we would look for opportunities to witness to our friends, neighbors, colleagues, relatives, that we would make sure that every one of them hears the gospel. We thank thee, our Father, and now we pray that thou would part us with thy blessing. We ask this all in the precious and worthy name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.